SB Pod is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Duncan Robinson from the bubble getting set for the NBA Finals. His really remarkable story, imposter syndrome, when he knew he belonged, all of that is on the way in the pod. But first, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step towards a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code SVP. That's code SVP. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Also want to remind everybody to check out the Bill Barnwell podcast, The Bill Barnwell Show. And if you like what you see, check out Bill on our version of SportsCenter. He's on every single week. Download and subscribe to the Bill Barnwell Show and SV Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Duncan Robinson joins us now from the bubble in Orlando. First of all, just thanks for taking the time. You got a million things you got to do at the moment. So I am grateful for you taking some time to visit with us here on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Um, I think I referenced it uh, when I joined your show live, but I'm, I'm a big fan and have been for a while. So when I had the chance to get on, I figured it was a no-brainer. Well, that's cool because I don't want to freak you out in advance, but like, honest to God, if somebody said you could talk to anybody in the bubble right now in advance of the finals, who would it be? It'd be you because your story to me is fascinating and we'll cover a bunch of ground. I, you just got done with practice on a Tuesday. We're taping Tuesday. Finals get started Wednesday. You're playing against the Lakers and LeBron James in the NBA Finals on Wednesday night. Like, how do you make that make sense in your brain? That's what your job is on Wednesday night. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's surreal. Um, you know, I feel like in, in instances like this where ads are, odds are stacked against her or what have you, um, that's kind of like the, the go-to line. It's surreal. I don't believe it, this, that, or whatever. Um, but I, I, I really have not had the opportunity to fully process it. It's been uh, kind of little moments here and there where, you know, I'll get a text or I'll have a conversation or I'll, you know, be in a finals media session and it'll kind of hit me. Um, but, but all in all, I'm, I'm really just kind of focused on the task at hand. Um, it's just kind of what's, what's next. Um, and I'm, I'm sure at some point, maybe after this run, uh, when I get a chance to, to kind of settle down a little bit, I'll be able to look back on it with some perspective. Because it's not LA and Miami, like the media people are going to pitch because it's like LA and Miami is the dream media scenario, right? You get to go to Los Angeles and you get to go to South Beach. But because it isn't those two great venues with those, uh, I think, interesting and passionate fan bases, and it's in this bubble, it's, I don't want to say that it's going to lack, but it's different. And for someone, I haven't been in that arena. Woj texted me very early on. He said it's like watching a video game on a battleship, like the, the venue. How would you describe the venue itself? Because, like, all we see is on TV. What's it like in there? That's actually a great description. Um, I, I haven't heard that one before, but uh, I might steal that. It's, you know, once the game starts, um, and, and granted, I've never played in an actual playoff game in terms of, you know, in, in an arena. Right. Um, but once the, the game starts, it, it feels very similar. Um, it's it's kind of all the times in between, whether it be you're warming up or um, you're in a timeout or that sort of thing, where it's – it feels a little bit different. It's just kind of eerily quiet. And, and truth be told, I, I'm relatively used to it. I mean, I played in the G League last year, uh, which is you know, <laughs> plenty of empty gyms going on there. Um, right. So it's it's not exactly like uncharted territory for me in that regard. I'm sure for some of these guys, like I remember talking to Andre 
And it's just like totally an uncommon concept for him because he's been in Golden State and played in front of packed arenas pretty much his, at least the, in recent um, years of his career. So it's, it's, it's been an adjustment for some, but for me, it's pretty standard. <laughs> it's dark in there. Like, you're a shooter. That's what you do. It seems like we've seen dudes get real hot. Is it, is it as good a shooting background as it looks on television? The, so the, the depth perception behind the basket, I think, helps a little bit in that the, the backdrop right there is pressed up right behind the rim, whereas uh-huh. in a, an arena, it goes back and there's fans and that sort of thing. It helps a little bit. I mean, it, I don't think it's like this huge difference maker. I got you it. know, the hoops, hoops still 10 feet. Oh, cool, of course. It is what Ho- it is. Hoosiers, um, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's not, nothing like, um, like, it's not like a totally different game. It actually really feels similar um, once the ball is thrown up. All right, so as we're talking to you, like we're we're doing this on Zoom, the way everybody does everything now, or whatever those video services that we're using. You're in your hotel room where you guys have been for you know eighty some odd days. Just help me understand the bubble. What do you do? It's uh, it's a lot of routine. It's a lot of the same thing over and over again. Um, thankfully, I'm a very routine oriented person. I kind of need a routine to function, so it works for me in that sense. You know, I, I'm at a different stage in my career and that I, I don't have, you know, a wife or kids or anything that I'm being away from. Um, obviously, I have my, my family, but I'm away from them anyways, when I'm in Miami. So it truthfully, it, it hasn't been much of an adjustment for me. I've been joking around with some of my friends that this has actually enhanced my, my life and that now I get to be around my teammates over quarantine. It was like I was just in this apartment in Miami by myself. So now it's like, you know, at least I get to eat dinner with my teammates and I get to play basketball every day. And like, I don't have to worry about gym time and, and getting in a, you know, a clean gym. So it's, it's actually been, it's been a great, great experience. For me. We had John Cooper on, uh, on Monday night after the Tampa Bay lightning won the Stanley cup. And it was, I mean, it really landed with me. Like I said, how do you describe, like they won, they win the Stanley cup, which is amazing. But like, what did you guys deal with? And he's like, I missed my anniversary. I missed the first day of school. I missed my daughter making swim team. I missed, I missed. And then he's like, the entire major league baseball season happened while we were here. And you just were like, like you just, it gives you a, a, a frame of reference. But as you say, what well, you're 26, you don't have a wife and kids that you're away from, but your teammates who do. And, you know, I thought Michael Malone from Denver, he's like, man, I've been away from my family forever. They won't even let us coaches have players there, which was bull. I thought that was garbage. But we're, anyway, for the people that are and have been away before folks could come, how hard was that for your teammates? I think it was a real challenge. Um, and I, I think it, it wears on people in different ways. You know, I, I don't think that there's one just blanket experience that you can just put on anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just in talking to, to some of the guys on our team, I know that they really struggle with that, being away and particularly from their kids and then their wife. Um, like you said, missing all sorts of, you know, firsts or, or uh, big time moments, you know, like you said, first day of school, that type of thing. So, I think that it's helped people in that we've been incredibly locked in as a group. Um, we've, we've, ever since we've, we've been here since day one, the goal, the focus has just been on, you know, really competing for this championship. Also probably playing golf. I've seen your swing on, on uh, Twitter. It's, it's good. It's a good swing. How many rounds of golf have you played? <laughs> uh, I haven't played any since the playoffs started, but I, I was playing pretty consistently um, before the game started. And then once the, the seeding game started, if we had a couple of days off, I'd try to get out there. But uh, What's your handicap? Uh, I'd probably say I, – I honestly don't play enough to, to have one. I'd probably say 
I'm a little bit better than a bogey golfer. So like, I don't know, 13, 14, somewhere in that ballpark. That's just like me. Like I see that swing of yours and I'm like, that's a good swing. But see, I don't, I, I got three little kids, so I don't have right. time to play golf. Like I, what's your handicap? And I say, I don't know. I haven't turned in a score to have a handicap. Right. And then people get mad and then they pressure. And I'm like, well, look, when I hit it good, you're going to think I can play, but then I'm going to exactly. hit, I'm going to hit three bad shots in a row and I'm going to get pissed. And then the whole thing falls apart. So that's, that's essentially your game. Yeah, I mean, you actually hit it on the head. I uh, I can have stretches where it looks like I, I know what I'm doing, right. and then uh, other stretches where it looks like I've maybe never picked up a club in my life. So That's it's the uh, <laughs> and, and honestly, it's it's nice in that I I don't take it that seriously because I'm not good enough to. So it just can kind of be like something where I can go out and just kind of have that release um, and just kind of enjoy it. That's smart. My guy, Andy North, who I've done golf forever with at ESPN, said in pro-ams, you know, he, he, there'd always be that one guy that was grinding and he was ruining it for everybody. And Andy, who's the nicest man in the world, would go up and put his arm around him and say, listen, you're just not good enough at the game to be mad about it when you play poorly. And he said right. sometimes the guy would get it and the whole mood would lighten. And then sometimes that guy would get mad. But you know what? You can't save that guy anyway because he's just a jerk who's determined on ruining it. But if you yeah. let, if, you, if your attitude gets in the way of your golf game, uh, it definitely will prevent you from having any fun. So you got the right frame of mind there. Steve, I've been yeah. jeopardizing the conversation. Jump in here, my man. Yeah, Duncan, I, I, I grew up in Connecticut my whole life, and I grew up around the NESCAC, so I need, I need to get some NESCAC from you. Um, I know, like, your story, obviously you talk about it plenty, but, like, you go, you, you go to high school in Massachusetts, and then you go to Williams College in, in you know, NESCAC D3. Now, you play the four, your first full year. You guys go losing the title game. I, I got the, all this right, right? Mm -hmm. Your coach, yep. your coach, your coach leaves to take the Marist job, yep. and this is sort of the new thing. Like a coach leaves, and hey, let's go get a good player from a D three school. And now people are starting to contact you. There was a connection with Coach Maker and Coach Beeline, but I wanted to ask if if your coach, if Coach Maker doesn't leave Williams, do you leave Williams? Absolutely not. No, I'm uh, I'm four years at Williams College, one hundred percent. Wow. You know, Coach Maker was really the first college coach to um, have any sort of belief in me and really mm -hmm. recruit me. Um, and I felt a ton of loyalty to him. And I, truthfully, I, I loved playing for him. And I never even would have opened that, that box of, of potentially transferring. Um, and I, I would have been there all four. It's, it's funny to think about it because looking back, I mean, it, it was really hard for him to leave. Um, and he had said that, but it was, you know, it's an opportunity um, of a lifetime. It's a promotion for him and a chance to prove himself at the division one level. So um, you know, it's just crazy how things work out. It, there are so many things that happen that are outside of my control um, in my story. And, and that's part of the reason why I really just try to keep things in perspective of like, all of this was certainly not guaranteed. And I certainly didn't expect it either. So uh, it just makes me all the more appreciative and, and grateful for it all. Uh, I wanted to go through that season. You avoided the, the two worst road trips. You didn't have to go to Hamilton. You didn't have to Colby. So you got off easy that year. That's right. And I do want to talk about that season, though, because you lost to Amherst, who's in your league twice during the year, and then you played them in the Final Four, right, in the semifinals? Yeah, we lost and to you... them three times. We lost to them twice in the regular season. We lost to them in the conference championship. Um, and then we, you know, of course, as, as Division Three basketball works, we played the team right down the road uh, yep. down in Salem, Virginia, in the Final Four. Um. I've always said, like I said, I grew up. I, I grew up going to Trinity. My cousin played on a Final Four team back in the '90s. Um, but I've I've gone to NESCAC football games, basketball games, the whole thing. Um, 
that that D3 title game, we know you, you know, you lost a two-point game. You had to lead late. And then you obviously played, I think you're still, you got to be the only player to play in a D3 title game and a D1 title game. How much more do you think about the D3 title game than the D1? Um, you lost by honestly, two and you lost by a hundred. Nova ran you all due respect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, both of them eat at me for, for different reasons. Uh, uh-huh. The division three one, because I really wanted to get that one for, for the coach and for the seniors. Uh-huh. Um, and just to lose in that fashion, you know, we lost it basically on a budget beater. There, there was like yeah 1.5 left on the clock. Um, so losing that fashion is, is brutal. The Michigan one, because I just feel like I, I didn't show up. And, and for that to be the case in, in your last college game, um, that just sticks with you forever. So, and, but, you know, credit to, to Villanova. Who knows? I could have played the game in my life and they still might've got us. I mean, they were an incredible team that year. Um, so then, then it happens. Uh, you're going, you're going to Michigan, like, you know, fast forward through that stuff. I want, I, I read a story about how you, you noticed about Stauskas and, and how Beeline sort of developed him and, you know, first-rounders thought something, and you wanted to play for a title, obviously. But there's a story about a shooting contest. Stauskas had the record. Am I getting this right? Stauskas had the record. Yeah. Is it five minutes, one rebounder, five, yeah. one ball? Yep. How yeah. many three-pointers did you make? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's a Coach Beeline classic. It's, uh, we call it five-minute threes. It's, it's one rebounder, one ball, five minutes, just as many threes as you can make. Um, I think the record when I got there, I want to say it was like high seventies. Um, and, and mind you, I, I spent a whole year red shirting. So I was like <laughs> maniacal with like, just trying to, to beat that. Um, and I actually, I'll never forget. It was, it was early December it was before we played Syracuse. I, I wasn't playing. I was a red shirt and, uh, I got 83 out of 89. Um, so that was, that was my record for that drill. I think, I think it still exists. Maybe, maybe somebody got it. I hope somebody got it, but, uh, I don't think so. I doubt it. That, that <laughs> seems pretty so, good. I, I want to talk shooting contests and things a little bit later. Um, but this is where I, w- I shoehorn myself in between Stanford Steve, whose last football game was the Rose Bowl, and you, Duncan, who are getting ready to play in the NBA Finals. But 100 years ago, like, I was, I was a shooter, okay? That's what I could do. I got recruit- I'm here in D.C. I got recruited by a guy at Catholic University. His name is Jack Bruin. He ended up coaching at Colgate. Had a Donald Foyle, got to the league. Rest in peace. Jack was such a great dude. And I was just a, a shooter that there was – it doesn't matter the story, but I, I went down there for a, a visit, and in the end, it was like I was going to have to take classes at Maryland. He's like, you can take a consortium of classes at Maryland. You can play here. I'm like, Coach, I could just play at Maryland and get in-state tuition and play, like, fraternity ball, which is what I ended up doing. But, like, in my head, I identify with the idea of being a shooter because that's kind of what I was. So maybe I could have been a D3 player. You were a D3 player, and I'm trying to process, Duncan, how you go from thinking, all right, this is what I, who I am and what I do, to wait, I'm going to go to Michigan, and how you convinced yourself that you were good enough to do it, or, or like, what was that process of, because then there's a next step to it, which I want to get to also, but just going from D3 and being a, a guy that could play, to playing for Beeline in Michigan, how did you, how'd you convince yourself, I got it? Well, you said it, it's a process. Um, it, it's not something that just happens overnight. You know, I'm, uh-huh. I always say it. I'm not one of those guys that, and I say this uh, in an endearing way, like I'm not one of those irrational confidence guys that you can just throw out onto any court in the world and they'll just be who they are and they'll miss 10 and they'll shoot the 11th. I'm, I'm not that. Um, so a huge part of my career and being able to achieve success in my career has been the challenge of convincing myself I belong. Um, 
and I've gotten better with it over time, but you know, a lot of it um, really for me comes down to, to two things. And, and I develop my confidence from repetitions and knowing that I'm prepared for an opportunity and that I've, I'm deserving of it. Um, and then two, actually seeing that work come to fruition and experiencing success and seeing shots go through the rim. Um, obviously, you can make as, as many shots as I, I wanted over that redshirt year, but it's a little bit different when the bullets become real and all of a sudden I'm thrown into, um, you know, a, a Big Ten game and I'm asked to make shots. Um, but then from there, the, the confidence compounds. But, you know, really that year I sat out, my whole goal was I need to make this the best basketball year of my life. It's the only way I need to change my body. I need to become a better player. And I surrounded myself with um, better players that pushed me. Um, but truthfully, there, there were times, particularly in that fall, where I, I remember being on the phone with my friends and my family being like, I made a terrible mistake. There's absolutely no way I'm ever going to get on the floor here. Um, and, okay, and just real was, quick, real quick about that, because I always I always think about guys redshirting. How long was that year for you? You know, it, it's it had its struggles and it had its its points um, where it felt really long like a grind um but but in hindsight looking back it it goes behind a blink and that all of a sudden you know the day in and day out feels long but then mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's it's the off season you're preparing to play the next year so it's kind of this weird combination of like a grind um but if you're really locked in and and you make the most of it like i always looked at it like here I am at the University of Michigan. I used to shell out money to get people to work me out, you know, whether it be driving down to Boston in the morning to work with a strength and conditioning coach. And now this guy is being paid to make me a better basketball player. It, it was like this crazy revelation for me. And it was like, if I don't just take absolute advantage of everything this place has to offer, I'm doing myself. I'm doing everybody that's believed in me, giving me opportunity, a huge disservice. And uh, I still think that was probably the year that I've, I've improved the most from you know, one calendar day to the, to the next. I get what happened with Beeline. Like, you try to transition to the NBA, and it's a whole different world. And I understand why the personalities maybe don't mesh the way they do in college because the expectation sets are different and what people's goals are man, might not be aligned. But I'm – like, when I watch Miami play and I think about how Michigan played, I'm not wrong to say that it's the same. Guys pass, dribble, and shoot, space it, and try to find open shooters, and everyone looks for the open shooter. I just wonder, Duncan, how much playing specifically for him there prepared you for exactly what your role is with Miami. I mean, first and foremost, I, I learned a ton from Coach Beeline. Um, you know, he's a, a master of the game, knows how to teach it, um, does it at such a high level, and just his attention to detail – um, is, is unmatched. I, I don't know if I'll ever play for a coach who checks boxes the way that he does. He makes sure his teams are prepared. He makes sure his teams are ready. And his teams always get better year after year. It's no accident that, mm. um, you know, maybe they're kind of sputtering around in, in October, November, and by March, they're playing their best basketball. Um, but you're right in that there's a lot of similarities. And, and the big buzzword that everyone throws around and loves to talk about is culture. And you hear about it all the time. Um, but I think that the similarity is that both of those, both programs, whether it be Michigan or Miami, really make concerted efforts to develop culture. And I think it just starts with habits um, every single day, maximizing every opportunity um, and taking advantage of, of every opportunity so that, you know, you stack these days on top of each other. And, and after days, weeks, and months, um, you have something to show for it. It's April. You guys lose to Nova in the title game. And, I don't know what happened, but you statistically got worse from three each year, which makes no sense to me. Um, doesn't matter. Th things worked more. out. Things more. worked out. Things worked out. 
but it's it's April, and I know you you know you. I read the Ramona Shelburne piece, and we'll get to some of that about you know, doubts and struggles and questions. And so now it's April, and what are you gonna do in your mind? What like it's like that scene at the end of Castaway. Tom Hanks is standing there, and there's one road that goes this way. There's a road that goes, like what road did you think you were gonna take at that point? Yeah, so so the first one was was picking an agent, and I, I worked it down to two. Um, I had a, the agent that I ultimately ended up going with, which is Jason Clouchon, who has predominantly NBA players. Um, and for some reason at the time, he, he thought I had a chance. And the other one was um, a guy who just specialized in overseas. And he had been linked with me through Coach Beeline. And um, truthfully, you know, Coach Beeline really strongly recommended that I went with him. Um, and that's not a knock on the, Coach The Beeline. overseas guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah. And, that's not, and that's not a knock on Coach Beeline. He, he felt that this guy, he had a relationship with this guy and he felt that he would put me in a really good situation over there. Um, so that was kind of that first fork. And, uh, I remember talking to my mom and I was like, you know, what do I do? Uh, I'm kind of back and forth. People are saying this and that. And she was like, this isn't even a decision. What are you talking about? Like, what has your whole career been? Your whole career has been basically betting on yourself, going for it and seeing where the chips fall. Um, and that was Love kind it. of the, that was kind of the first straw. And then from there, it just became about maximizing opportunities. I, I knew teams, you know, it's funny because Michigan plays on national television all the time. So I felt like teams kind of had an idea of who I was as a player because they I had all this exposure. Um, but I felt that if I was seen in a different setting that I might be, a, you know, just do something a little bit different or surprise some people in some different ways. So I just tried to take advantage of the team workouts. Um, you know, I, I took every single one that, that was offered to me, whether it was, you know, five days in a row, I was going to every single one. Um, did you have any workout? Did you have any one workout where you left there and thought, oh, yeah, that like, I, I that's the like, you know, what I'm saying like, because you hear yeah. stories about like, you show up in one place, and maybe it's a guy you play against that the perception is that guy's better than you. And maybe yeah. you give it to him. Like, I, is there was there one that stood out? Yeah, um, there were there were three. Um, LA, the Lakers, uh, the Celtics, I actually worked out with the Celtics twice. And my second one, um, you know, I was in a group of, of guys that were all supposed to be first round, second round picks. Um, and I was really just to throw in because I'm from the area. They needed a sixth guy. And they were like, look, you already worked out for us, but why don't you come by? I'm like, I'm there. I got, You're I got close and you could lose. get a ride, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, you don't need to put me in the hotel. Like I got nothing to lose. I'll be there. Um, and it's funny, it, you know, that was a, a, a maturing experience for me because it, it made me realize it doesn't matter really what you do in that workout because they're evaluating so many more things in that. And, and it's, it's challenging and that, you know, you can show up and, and kill somebody and feel like you outplayed everybody, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get drafted. And, and that's like, it took me a second to really like acknowledge that. Um, but once I was able to get over that, it just, it just became like, how can I just continue to, to break down these, these perceptions of what I am? And I felt that even though it didn't result in me getting drafted, I felt like it helped. Um, and I, I just needed a single opportunity and that was summer league. And, I just wanted to to make the most out of out of that experience. You know, it's nuts, man. Just I'm just sitting here thinking about because I mean, me and Steve, I mean, we we grew up loving it, and we watch tons of ball. Like that's what we do. And I think about how, and I'm sure you can relate to the idea of this, whether it's guys that were peers or maybe people that were a few years ahead, maybe even a couple years behind, that could really go. And you're like, oh, what happened to that guy? And there's like, oh, he's playing in Israel or he's playing in wherever. And mm-hmm. that's not a knock because guys find great lives over there. And there's some guys, you, know, you get set up with the villa, no taxes. And it's like, you're living like yeah. the king. But it's always surprising that they didn't get to where you are. Do you, do you ever spend a moment contemplating just like, 
if I called the guy that Coach Beeline wanted me to call. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I could have been, been one of those guys. Like, none of this had to happen. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I referenced it earlier, but it, it's, it's stuff like that that really just keeps me incredibly grounded in where I'm at. And it helps me give perspective to the fact that so much of what's broken my way was outside of my control. Like I, I still had to take care of things on my end and mm, you know, course. make shots and maybe play well in, in certain spots. But um, so many things had to break my way and, and, and that's not lost on me. And it's funny because like, you know, there are so many guys that I like, man, I, you know, I, I want to be as good as that guy. And this has been dating back to high school when I was looking at high school players. And now it's like, you know, I slowly have like creeped my way up throughout my career um, to get to where I'm trying to go. Um, but it's, it's, it's just humbling to know that that could very much, much be the reality as well. And truthfully, like I say this all the time, you know, if I stayed at Williams, I probably wouldn't have had this break and I would probably be in the second division in Lithuania somewhere, but I, I would be, I truthfully, I really think I would be loving it and I would be doing the same things that I'm doing and approaching it the same way. Obviously it changes and, you know, your perspective changes as you move up. Um, I've never been to Lithuania, but I've been to South Beach. I'm just, I think it's, a, I think, I think you're winning. I think you're winning right now on that ledger. Yeah. If we're, if we're going to do a cost basis, I'm, I'm saying you're winning right now. Right. The point being is I, I would still be chasing it. Um, right on. And I believe that right wholeheartedly. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm thankful for, for where I'm at. And, and I certainly know that, um, you know, I, I maybe had to do some things to get here, but a lot of things happened outside of my control. Uh, Duncan, this might be the most serious question of the podcast, and this is this is very important for the podcast. Do Michigan people consider Maryland part of the Big Ten? That's a good question. Um, That's a no, is what it is. That's a no. I'll say honestly, I, I'll say yeah. I feel like they actually have brought some credibility from a basketball standpoint recently. You know, they got a national championship under their belt, and uh, I think they won it last year, right? They won a Faster. piece of the Big Ten. I mean, I, there were there were three people. Everyone got hats, you know. Okay, was, fair enough. Was... Um, yeah, I would probably say so. I, I actually um, have become a little bit of a Maryland fan. DeAndre Haynes uh, was an assistant at Michigan, um, and I'm a huge fan of his. He's he's okay. uh, he's there in Maryland now. Great, great dude, great family. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I do, in some cases, root for Maryland. Not when they're going against Michigan, but. No, but I, yeah, it was more about the people considering Maryland. We, we, we could do it another time. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a it's, whole other Look, it's weird. I mean, look, Maryland people still feel like they missed the ACC, but yeah. I've, said, I've told you this, Steve, a thousand times. Like, I mean, when Pitt and Syracuse and all the BC mm -hmm. and Miami, like it's the Big East, man. Like this isn't, yeah. this isn't the ACC I grew up with. And, I, and I, it's been fun. Like you guys, Michigan State, and I don't, I don't want to start naming schools because then I'll leave people off and then their fans get pissed off. But yeah. I mean, it's – and that league is – packed this this year who knows what the season is going to be but man that big 10 is going to be nice this year um but that's a conversation for another day um i want to i want to ask you some just i think you've covered just the whole idea about things that happen out of control and then you know this and that but what you control was where you decide to go doing the going the g league route and then you get to miami and i remember thinking oh that's so cool that shooter from michigan oh, it's cool like he got it he got a look and like Tim Legler's my guy. He was a ten. He was a ten day guy, and then he turned that ten day into like a nice little payday, and he he made a career for himself. He didn't achieve the success you have, but like he was a shooter that made it. So I always root for the shooter. But when you got there, I read this Ramona Shelburne article. Like Spo had to sit you down and tell you, "Hey man, you got to shoot. Like you 
you, you, we're better if you shoot. So in terms of that, that part of the process, now believing, all right, I had to believe I could do it at Michigan. Now I got to believe I can do it here. And in order to stay, I got to maybe hunt my shot more than I'm comfortable. How do you get to that place? Uh, certainly not without, without Coach Bo. Um, and, and really the organization, uh, he, he's instilled a, a ton of confidence in me and really allowed me to play like carefree in the mind, which, you know, as an athlete, I really think is so important um, because the moment you start thinking and overanalyzing, um, you just aren't able to be who you are. And, uh, you know, I, I just remember sitting down in his office and him being adamant of like, you turning down shots, you shot faking is hurting us. Like it's, it's actually, it's killing us. Like you need to shoot everything. Let it go, um, baby. Let it go. I love that. And it, you know, I was having, I was grappling with like trying to figure out what's a good shot, what's a bad shot. And then I just basically realized that like everything is a good shot, like just shoot everything. And it's, it's this crazy idea because like everybody obviously wants to hear that. Um, but here I was an undrafted guy, um, being asked to do that and have that being my role. And, um, I, I grew into it. Like it, it was really uncomfortable at first. I, I tell everybody, like it went through, I went through a, a process with it. Like first I realized what I needed to shoot, what shots I needed to shoot. And then I started shooting them, but I couldn't make anything last year. Couldn't make anything <laughs> preseason this year. Couldn't make anything, right. but it was still like, all right, at least you're taking the right shots now. And then I started to build a certain level of comfort comfortability and they started to fall so it's a process man is there a moment and this is such a cliche feels like a terrible question but I, i'm sincerely interested in the answer so i'm gonna ask it like is there like a, an aha eureka epiphany moment like you maybe it's a move you make and you hit a bucket on a certain player or, or a day when the, everything makes sense is there a moment where you truly come back to your spot and sit down and you're like yeah this is I, I got this. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is my reality. Was there a clear moment? Not, not one moment in particular. You know, I, I think it's like a compounding effect. I think you start to experience some success and, um, or just seeing the ball go through and it just starts to build. The confidence grows and grows and, and grows on, uh, on top of each other. I can't think of like one particular moment, maybe like the first time that I had a, uh, a good shooting that was against Houston. You know, we, we blew out Houston. We played really well. And I think I hit, um, you know, five or six threes, and, and it just kind of built from there. Maybe this is an easier answer. Is there an oh moment where you get caught in a switch and like all of a sudden you got the wrong dude in the wrong spot and you're about to end up, you know, on the wrong end of one? Is it, do you remember any clear moments of the reality hitting you like this is me, this is my life, and I, I don't know how this is going to end well? Um, we had a stretch earlier this year where we played both the LA teams. Um, both of them were, you know, national TV games. And that was kind of a moment of like, all right, I, I'm, I'm now being asked, asked to perform at this level. Like, this is what I need to do. Um, and there were also throughout those games, there were moments where, you know, whether it be switches or transition or what have you, um, where I get stuck on guys that you just grow up watching. And it's just kind of <laughs> like that. Holy, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's just crazy. We'll get back to more with Duncan Robinson. But first, all right, now back to more with the Miami Heat's Duncan Robinson. What's the worst like you got beat or best AAU team you've ever you've ever played against? Oh, um, the worst we I've ever gotten beat. I don't nothing like really jump. I mean, no. In, so the Boston area like BABC is like mm -hmm. the powerhouse yeah. AAU team. So I, you know we played them in some like fall event 
Um, and I don't even think we got the ball past like half court. They would run like a, a three quarter court press and we just like couldn't even get the ball over. But at this point I was like younger and gotcha. I, I didn't even deserve to be anywhere near the floor um, with those guys. And they just ran us out of the gym. They had like five or six pros, um, maybe not NBA players, at least two or three NBA players, but five or six like professionals for sure the other day bam afterwards was like oh we've all got chips on our shoulders and i said it on sports and i'm like you were a five-star lottery pick that went to kentucky <laughs> tyler hero is a top 50 guy that was a lottery pick like your story i'll buy you know patrick beverly like you get up out the mud and go play against you know billy goat somewhere i get that part but i mean and listen we all like jimmy butler like people have been through stuff i'm not minimizing yeah. people's lives i'm not doing that but and i get playing the underdog role here which you guys can conveniently do. It's it, it's fun to wrap yourself up in that after you go what uh, after you go twelve and three and you get to be like ah nobody <laughs> believes like it's right. like a sport really trotting that out in the room when you guys are sitting down like ah oh, the media doesn't think we can win. I, it feels like it doesn't feel necessary with your group. Yeah, you know it's it's funny. I think everybody has a propensity to to buy into that underdog narrative. You know, you always want to find that that chip. Um, mm -hmm. for that thing that drives you and, and everybody can find it in some way or another throughout their career, whether it be they looked were looked over by this guy or this guy thought this guy was better um, or what have you. But I really think with us, we all just like tap into it. Like we just find a way to tap into it. And, and when you like bring that all energy together, it just compounds. Um, so we, we certainly embrace that chip. That's just kind of how we play and, and have played. I get it. I think the Lakers try to do it. Like, oh, people thought Portland was going to be a tough eight. Like, you guys right. have been massive favorites in every series you play, and you try to talk about, like, we've been through so much. What are you f talking about? You have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, I, I, the struggle? I mean, I don't – it's amazing to me. Like, I get the Lakers have been down for a while, but uh, anyway, that's, that's, that's also a different story um, for a different day. I, I have some very specific questions about shooting. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, Duncan, I got two, and then I'm out. Um, you At Michigan, you talked about that redshirt year and everything, you know, and you talked about how hard you had to work and the extra stuff you had to do. Can you think of something that you had to do when nobody was looking? And, you know, everybody, you know, you knew you, knew you had to do this in order to get to that level um, because you needed this that, that extra time and that redshirt year, and you knew you had the time. Like, you know, you, you talk about practicing with the teams and, and doing, you know, individual workouts. Is there something you did where you're, you look back and you're like, you know what, man, I'm so glad I did that. Nobody was watching me. Nobody told me to do it, but I went and did it, and it, it really helped me. Um, I, I always try to be careful when I talk about this type of stuff because I never wanted to come across like I'm beating my chest or, you uh -huh. know, whatever that I, I did this or that. Um. I would probably say I, I had a really good routine in my my redshirt season and that I was fortunate enough. I had a, a manager who I became close with who, who would pick me up every morning before school, um, before classes. We would go work out, um, get a bunch of shots, okay. and then uh, and then practice at later in the day. And, and probably the biggest one that changed my career was, was changing my body um, and, and just being more and more disciplined with my diet as well, making sure I was getting enough calories. And how much and did you gain? How much, how much weight did you gain that year? I came into Michigan. I was like 175. So I, I think I, what are you my now? Sophomore year. Now I'm like 210. I've like settled in right around 210. Um, did so I, I was uh, at, at a point in my, in my Michigan career, I was up to like 218. And I, it was probably a little bit too heavy. Yeah, it was like maybe not the best, it, the best swole. weight. Either. Is it water is it, weight? <laughs> is it true basketball players bring their jerseys home and look at their biceps in the mirror to see how they're going to look on TV? 
I can't say I've ever done that. No, okay. Um, but but may, I'm you know I wouldn't put it past that past right. some people. And then um, go yeah, ahead. What do you got? No, no, you got it. All right. I, I was just gonna say on the way out, we talked about the bubble life for me. What's the one thing that you're never gonna eat again? <laughs> <laughs> they have they have shrimp here, and I used to love shrimp, but they have these <laughs> these tiny little shrimp, and they put them in everything. And, yep. and they think and they think that just because you put shrimp in it it makes it better but when shrimp is in everything all the time it makes it worse and it, the worst part about it is it's not like it's the shrimp that kind of tastes like a little fishy like it's not like good shrimp fishy it's like shrimp. that kind of yeah fishy it's like that, that suspect shrimp and now i think i think <laughs> sus. shrimp sus. shrimp forever sus is shrimp. ruined for me and i used to like shrimp but now i, I think it's done now like oh, bacon yeah, you get bacon, back. Can't you get back down to South Beach. You get that. You know my guy Miles at Prime One Twelve. I'm sure, right? I don't. I don't know my. No, I've only been well, there once. Okay, he's gonna well, have to be playing in NBA Finals. Scott. Yeah, well, we're we're gonna need to sort this out. That's a, that's a place where you can get shrimp the size of your elbow. Okay, yeah. like a proper yeah, okay. shrimp, not a suspect fit. I know exactly the kind you're talking about. The kind you look at it, and you're like, is this the one that in the back of it has that disgusting poop vein and it's fried? But that doesn't make it better. I hear right. you. That's rough, yeah. man. Well, you, yeah. and look, the, the finish line's ahead, but uh, you all you got to get through. Yeah, you just got to get through the finals, and, uh, and and I imagine that'll probably be worth the price of admission. But I do have these shooting questions on the way out that I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, there's a famous story about Gilbert Arenas, right? Um, he played with Nick Young, Swaggy P. That Wizards team, me and my guy Rosillo on radio, we did an entire – we had a segment called uh, Wizards Daily because th <laughs> these dudes were uh, – Wizards. They were aggressive. <laughs> they lived life. Um, but the arenas played with, uh, Swaggy P and they, Gilbert was out of the league and they started talking crap about who could shoot and who could make shots, blah, 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 blah. Well, get to the cut to the chase here. Swaggy P said arenas couldn't make 50 or 60 arenas shows up in a gym with a hundred thousand cash in a bag and said, he's going to shoot him for it. Cause everyone's got a hundred K just, you know, as you do lying around. Right. Well, Swaggy P doesn't post, but Arenas goes in the gym. They film it, and he hit 95 out of 100. 95 out of 100. Now, you explained the 83 out of 89 or Michigan or whatever, like yeah. in five minutes. That's ridiculous. But I'm asking you, in an empty gym shooting 100 from the five spots, like what would you reasonably think I could make? Reasonably. Not hot. Uh, just that's, consistently? That's, yeah, standard. Consistently? Yeah. Um, I would say – I would say I'm, I'm pretty consistently around high eighties. I think if I, if I get hot um, and I've, I've done, I've done mid nineties before. Um, if I got hot, if I got hot, I, I could be around there. Um, but consistently I'm, I'm high eighties, high to mid, mid eighties. When you do drills, shooting drills, what do you do? Is there a number? Is it a spot? Do you go spot to spot? I mean, what, give me an idea, just a, a cliff's notes of what are the drills that you yeah. are going through? So I, I used to, I've experimented with different things throughout my career. So I used to have like a shooting journal where I, this is more like in high school where I'd make sure I was doing this many makes per day and this many makes per week and all these different types of drills. Now it's kind of, I've gotten to the point where particularly in season, it's like I'm, I'm getting in and I'm shooting like maybe a, a hundred to 150 um, at most 200 makes, but it's, it's full speed and it's okay. game speed. Um, and I'm just knocking that out. 
Are you prouder of your three-point shooting statistics or the fact that you statistically, as a two-way guy, defensively, there's a lot of analytics that say you're like you're top 20 on some defensive. Are you prouder of the shooting or the fact that that the guy with the rep as a shooter actually statistically on defense is better than people know? Yeah, I think uh, I am proud of the defensive statistics. I think some people would maybe say that that's like misleading analytics or whatever the eye test, but like. Uh, I'm probably more proud of the fact that I feel like I've improved a lot on that end. I feel like I need, there's, there's still a ways to go. And I feel like I still can improve on that end, um, which is I think exciting for me because I, sure. I just feel like I have more potential on that end. Who's the best shooter in the NBA? Uh, it's gotta be Steph. It's gotta be Steph. Who's second? Um, I think it goes right now. I think it goes Steph, Clay, Kyle, Corver, JJ. How far we got to go down the list before you're going to say your name, man? Um, I'll probably, I'll probably, I got to do it one more. I got to do one more year to, okay. to get into that conversation. I, I think this year, too many people would, would say that this might be an anomaly, this or that. I don't believe it to be, but um, I think Tom will tell on that. I get Joe Engels on the line and we had him on one night and I asked him who was the best shooter in the world. He said, well, I'm quite confident. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, you are. Hey, and Joe's I up there too. Joe, Joe can shoot. Yeah, he can, he can let it rip. Um, I, all right. I, I, my battery on my computer's dying. I hope I get to this. Cause I, I want to close with just one last serious thought from me. The, the Ramona Shelburne article talks about uh, imposter syndrome. The cliff's notes of that are uh, people that you feel kind of like you're a fraud because you don't think you've checked the boxes to do the job you do. And it's like, you keep thinking you're going to get found out. And you talked to Spo about that. And, and Spo said, do I understand it? I lived it. And I get it because I, I didn't get into journalism school at Maryland. I had grades. I'm not talking bad, like eh, bad. All right. And I met Tiger Woods when the Golf Channel started. That's how I got. And now here we are 25 years later. I still to this day, Duncan, I feel like, man, like I feel like they're going to check my my ID and I don't have like the right bracelet to be in that, that area of the, of the club, so to speak. So I totally get it. But years ago, my guy Lefty Giselle was a hall of fame coach at Maryland and coach saw me and told me he was proud of how things went. And I said, coach, you know, I just got lucky. And he told me, son, if it was luck, it would have run out by now. And I always hang on to that because I figure he's right. Like I got lucky, but I'm going to stay lucky because I'm going to work at it. And I, all I want to close with is the idea of have you come to grips with the fact that, yeah, you got some breaks and stuff's out of your control, but it's the work you did and continue to do that will allow you to continue to live this life. You don't have to wait for someone to come knock on the door and say, nah, nah, it's time to go. Are you, are you, are you good with it? I am. And I think I've grown a lot in that area as well. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, the imposter syndrome thing that I referenced was a, a very real thing at a, at a point, but I, I think it's kind of manifested and, and changed into something a little bit different. Um, and that now it's, I don't want to say that I, I like that I kind of still have it, but it, it does, it keeps me on edge in that um, there's a, a lack of, of, I never want to be complacent. And, uh, you know, I steal this from, from JJ Reddick. Um, he's kind of become a mentor for me, but like he, he shared this sentiment of like never arrived, always becoming. Um, in that the moment Love you it. feel like the Love moment it. you feel like you've done something or that you've, you know, this is you stepping onto this stage or this, that, or whatever, like is the moment that you lose a step and, and the moment that somebody else is, um, you know, praying on that spot that you have. So um, 
I, I do feel like I've earned this and, and I do feel like um, I will continue to earn this and continue to excel. But um, I, I do like that feeling as weird as it sounds of, of not ever being complacent. I totally agree with that. And JJ is a great guy to follow on, on and off the floor. I think, and I mean, I, it's, I laugh with him. Like he's a Duke guy. And when he used to come to, to the building, man, they heckled him unmercifully. And the Ooh. idea that I would become friendly with him and, and, and have such respect for him is, was a tough pill to swallow, but I've grown and matured. He's an awesome dude, but I would, I don't know if he would say this, but I would. Don't be complacent, but it would be, you'd be a fool not to step on the floor on Wednesday night and not allow yourself a second where you look around and let it be satisfying that you're yeah. there, right? Yeah. Like to, to, to miss that moment and to, to, to be so locked in on, on, that, on the grind to not enjoy the moment, then what's the point in any of it? Does that make sense? That's real. No, I, I think that's, that's as real as it gets. Um, well, and, I, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you for, for keeping that in perspective with me because – um, like you said, I mean, if, if we're not going to appreciate those moments like that, then, then what's it all for? That's real. I was going to ask some corny thing about what do you have to do to beat the Lakers? What a, you got to score more points. I know you guys are going to work your asses <laughs> off to figure out that uh, final start Wednesday. We'll be watching. I, I'm really, really grateful for you taking this time. You, you got more important stuff to do. And um, I hope we can do this again somewhere down the road. But uh, I, I love your story, man. And, and keep doing all you're doing to stay lucky. And uh, I have a feeling you will. Love it, man. Maybe we can do it at Prime 112 when you get down to Miami. <laughs> I, I know a guy. We can get it. We can get in. I, I'll take care of that. I'll, I'll send. I'll send a text. We'll get this sorted out, man. Have fun. Go out. Go get your shots. I know you will. All right. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me.